Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. So, today I am going to be speaking on what I titled, Activate Your Reasoning. Activate your what? Your reasoning. Your reasoning. Activate your reasoning. Get your brain working. Activate your reasoning. And we're going to be studying, uh, <laughs> studying this from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17. Guys, Acts chapter 17, if you know, if you've studied the Bible, Acts chapter 17 is the seminal passage of Acts of the Apostles in terms of theological stuff. It's a very powerful passage. Many churches have been born even from that passage. In fact, there are many churches that are named based on, uh, you know, some part of Acts chapter 17. Uh, we're going to be seeing it today. Activate your reasoning. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of those chapters that... Um, Many of our apologetic teachings are based upon. And, you know, I was studying this thing this week and praying about it, you know, because I knew what we're going to be speaking about uh, from, you know, um, you know, from Sunday, Monday last week, mo- Monday of, uh, of this week, like the title, I, you know. And I've uh, been meditating on it, and uh, the more I meditated on it and spent time with it, the more things are just coming out. I'm like, wow, this is so loaded, um, I can't really do justice to Acts chapter 17. But, you know, all these things are just to stir us up, to get us closer to God so that we can go on our own and study these things and see what God is doing. So I'm just going to look at it from a perspective and give you an overview. Now, this is what I want to deal with today. In this world that we live in right now, this world is called the post-modern world. The post-modern world. Everybody say post-modern world. You know, let me give you an assignment. Go and study what postmodernism is, right? There was the modern world. We're no longer in the modern world, right? We're in the postmodern world. So maybe type into uh, Wikipedia later and look for what postmodernism stands for. So postmodernism is a philosophy of approaching life and approaching truth that is prevalent now. Um, if you type it into Wikipedia, you probably get some things that will come up like 10 characteristics of postmodernism. I don't have the time to go through the 10 characteristics. But one of the characteristics of postmodernism is that truth is relative. There are no absolutes. So before postmodernism, people believed that there are certain truths that are absolutes. But in the postmodern world right now, truth is relative. So truth is based on how you see it. Do you get it? It's based on how you see it. It's one of the characteristics. So that's why you hear this word, that's my truth. <laughs> you know, I'm just speaking my truth. You know, and then you too, you speak your truth. Right? So there are no absolutes. There are no absolutes. Some other characteristic, one other characteristic is that there is a, 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 that's a, that's a strong disrespect for uh, 
to say something is a concrete idea, something is a, an established idea, or something is an authoritative idea. Nothing like that. No, I think it would be a good study if you go, go into Wikipedia and just type the, the characteristics of postmodernism. So that's the age we're in. That's the age we're growing in. That's the age our children are being born in. And that's why you see there's a lot of challenge, challenges to dogmas, a lot of challenges to certain things, including challenges to what the Bible says. There's a challenge, you know, there are challenges to the Bible. So in, 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 the, in the days, you know, before modernism and modernism, when you say the Bible says something or you say this is from scripture, or people will respect it. But now in our days, people will challenge it. People will challenge anything you say. You're going to challenge it. And I know that a lot of people are going through that, watching me right now. A lot of us go through that. But the, but the question is that if we know we're going to go through that or if we're going through that, how are you going to be able to handle it as a believer who believes in absolute truth, that there's a God who believes in certain absolute truths in the scriptures? How are you going to be able to handle it? How are you going to be able to handle it? The only way you're going to be able to handle it is if you develop your depth. Everybody say my depth. You know, that was, it's going to take you reasoning as a believer very well, very scripturally, and developing your depth for you to be able to handle the onslaught of the challenges that you are going to face to your faith. Things that are, that, you know, you believed, you know, in the past, just normal, that you just say it and just, this is just common sense, it's going to be challenged. So what usually happens is that um, believers who are not rooted, believers who are not rooted in God's word, who don't know these things, they change very easily. And there's a lot of changes taking place in the church right now. Are you getting what I'm saying? People are just beginning to believe, you know, anything based on how the wind is blowing. Because they're not solid. They're not rooted. So what I want to do today is to get everybody stirred up to activating your depth your reasoning, your solidity as a believer so that you can withstand all this stuff. Let me just show you some, you know, some, some verses of scripture that you know, speak to us. Uh, Ephesians 4 from verse 4 to 15 tells us this. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever, they sound like truth. So he's saying that there's a place you can get to as a believer that when people are trying to trick you with things that sound like truth, you can discern that this is not truth. You can, you're not blown all around. I mean, I know people that are blown, you know, people that are blown by different things, especially things going on in the world right now, media, things going on, like the beliefs that are going on, and some of them have infiltrated the church and all that. Believers are blown away from the basic truth of the Bible because they're not rooted. They're not rooted. So my goal today is how to get everybody to rootedness. Actually, our goal in the month of October is we're, do, we're focusing on the growth aspect of the City Light mission, the aspect of finding freedom, the aspect of growing. That's what we're focusing on. Last month, we'll focus on making a difference. We're going to focus on that going deeper, going deeper. You know, we want to be wide, like ministering, but we want to be deep. Everybody say deep and wide. A believer should be what? And wide. Wide. You love. You do all that. You are accepting, but you are deep. You are deep. Someone say deep. 
Oh, come on. Say, I want to go deep. Yes, yes, deep and wide. So no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about, you know, by every wind of doctrine. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, 14 to 15, Peter was speaking to the believers then. They were going through similar things. They were being persecuted. A lot of things were going on. She said, he said something. He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right. Listen, guys, if you are going to stand for the truth in, the, in this postmodern age, you will go through some suffering. Some people will ostracize you. Some people will call you a heretic. You are going to see from Acts of chapter 17. They are going to call you names. So if you are afraid of being called names, then you won't stand on this. It's going to happen. He said, but even if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Verse 15. But this is what you should do. He said, don't be afraid. This is what you should do. But in your heart, revere God as Lord. Always be prepared. Everybody say, always be prepared. Always means all the time. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. He's saying that as a believer, you should be able to give the reason for the things you believe. That's why I call it activate your reason or your reasoning. You should be able to give the reason for anything that you believe. Very, you, should be able to, you should be able to articulate it very clearly. Why do you believe in the resurrection? This is it. Why do you believe, uh, you know, marriage is between a man and a woman? This is, this is the reason why I believe it. Why do you believe, you know, this and this and that? This is the reason why I believe it. And you are able to, you do it gently, you do it humbly, you do it respectfully. You are not afraid of being threatened, but you can give a cogent reason for the thing that you believe. So, for those of you who have kids in this place, you know, kids ask questions, Right? I'm telling you, as a parent, if you're a believing parent, it's one of your challenges. Because I remember when my kids were growing up then, they will ask questions. Why did God create the devil? If he knows the devil is bad, then why did God create the devil? <laughs> or they will say, so who created God? So most parents will just say, oh, shut up, you're... Who's the devil? Well, they used to ask all those questions. That forced me. You know, the, you know, the, the leading light camp that I used to, that I do, that I do systematic theology for them and all that. It was one of those things that forced me to do it. I was like, you know what? I need to pass across to these kids this truth because they're going to be asking it. And if nobody answers them, if nobody doesn't give them the correct answer, they'll go and look for the answer elsewhere. You guys have probably heard about Steve Jobs before, right? You know who Steve Jobs is, right? The person that, um, you, know, you know, created Apple and all this stuff, when he was a kid, I think he was about, you know, I think about 11 or so, he, he used to go to church with his parents. So he was an adopted child. So he went, he saw the newspaper. He saw the newspaper and, you know, he was doing the Biafran War in Nigeria, the Biafran War. Uh, so he saw the newspaper and saw some kids from Biafra that, died, that, that had been killed. So he took it to his pastor and asked the pastor a simple question. He said, did God, did God know? Does God, I mean, did God, uh, he said, does God know everything? 
The pastor said, of course, God knows everything. Of course now, Steve, God, God knows everything. Then the pastor, they now asked, did God know about these kids that they were going to die? And he still allowed it. The pastors shushed him. Like just shushed him. And just say, oh, no, no, come on, you are too whatever. Do you know that was the last time he attended church? And by the time he died, he was a Buddhist. True story. That was the last time he attended it. Why? Because somebody didn't take time to explain those things. So as a believer, you need to know the reason why you believe things. And you need to be able to articulate it. To be able to say it. Otherwise, people are going to convince you. People are going to convince you about all kinds of, all kinds of ways lead to God. People are going to convince you about syncretism. You, got to, you can mix it all up. All kinds of things. All kinds of philosophies. In Chicago alone, all kinds of philosophies and religions and all that. And if you are not solid in your faith, you are not solid, those things will sway you. So, when I talk about activate your reasoning or your depth, I'm saying that it is time for us as believers to be solid because God needs some solid people. Amen? Come on, say, God needs some solid people. Good. So, that's what I want to share with you. We must be deep enough in our knowledge of God to be able to explain our faith. Please, could you turn on my timing there? To, to be able to explain our faith when it is challenged and wide enough to love everyone despite your position. So in Acts chapter 17, we're going to learn how to activate our depth, how to activate our reasoning from the life of Paul. So I almost titled this message, A Tale of Three Cities, uh, because Acts chapter 17 took place in three cities. Three cities with three different characteristics. The first city was Thessalonica. Paul went to Thessalonica. He met, so he was preaching. Those people, they opposed the word. Then he moved to Berea. And then in Berea, the people accepted the word and they were studying. And then he moved to Athens. And in Athens, people mocked him while he was speaking the word. But while he was responding to those three cities, the, you know, the, the opposition to the word, the acceptance of the word, and the mocking of the word of, you know, that he was preaching, Paul was revealing to us a lot of things about how to activate our own reasoning, how to be solid believers. And I want to quickly show you that. So I'm going to be speaking on four major points on how you can activate your reasoning, how you can activate your depth as a believer. And my first point today, if you want to become a solid believer, if you want to be established in the truth, you must first of all settle on the source of truth. Get settled. On what the source of truth is. Your source of truth. Get settled on it. Everybody say get settled. On my source of truth. What is your source of truth? I remember uh, some years ago I met um, a person. Uh, is that Vicky? That's you? Yeah, it was your husband. You know, <laughs> The first time I met your husband. So he came to church then. So after church he came to meet me. And then, so it wasn't an argument, it was a discussion about the faith. So he had studied philosophy, studied all those kind of stuff. So, you know, he came, you know, like to, you know, to argue science and philosophy. So we talked for a while. So I looked at him then, and I made a statement. I said, do you know that we can continue this back and forth? You know, but you know one thing? I said, the first thing you need to do is to settle what you are going to accept as your source of truth. So I said, my source of truth is the Bible. 
So he listened to me then, and then he went, and he came back. He said, you know, that statement that you made really, really affected me. That I began to think about it, that what am I making my source of truth? He said, I eventually, he said, I eventually decided that I will make the Bible my source of truth. And that's how he gave his life to Christ. You know, because first of all, he had to first of all, he had to first of all choose what his source of truth is what? His. So many, of, many, many people think, I mean, we use different things as our source, sources of truth. If you ask people different things, uh, people take their source of truth from, uh, what do you call it, the newspaper. Or they take it from, you know, there are different kind of holy books or whatever that is called, right? People take their source of truth. As a believer, Paul shows us an example here. Let's look at some passages here in Acts chapter 17 from verse 1 to 3. I want to see if you guys are able to see it. Acts 17 from verse 1 to 3. Everybody, let's study this together. Everybody watching me online and all that. Everybody, let's read 1, 2, let's go. Paul and Silas traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia, Apollonia, and they came to Thessalonica, city number one, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Verse 2, quickly, verse 2. And, and as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row. What did he do? He used what? The scriptures to what? To reason with the people. In other words, Paul decided, I mean, Paul, whenever he wanted to reason, his only source, what he used in reasoning, is scriptures. He used scriptures to reason with the people. He didn't say, Paul was a very smart guy. He was a lawyer. Right? You guys know, right? right? He was a lawyer. He was a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. You know, he, you know, he had a tent-making business. He was, you know, Sanhedrin. He had all kinds of experience. He was training the Jewish, uh, you know, the Jewish thing, uh, what they call it, Pharisee and all that. But what did he do? What he did was that instead of hugging with them and or whatever, with using any base for truth, he, he reasoned with them using what? The scriptures. Then look at what he did again. So he explained, look at it, he explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. And, and said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Is the Messiah. So basically, Paul's approach was to use the scriptures to reason. His source of truth, when he faced opposition, and you're going to see, when he wanted, when he wanted to, you know, to, 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 to talk about what he believed, was to use the scriptures as a source of truth. Amen. Anybody say the word of God is my source of absolute truth. So when you're looking for absolute truth, the word of God is your source. So I don't argue with people. I love science. I do whatever. If you want to argue science, let's argue science. But if we want to handle the issues that are <laughs> very important in life, uh, you know, where I was, I'm coming from, where I am going, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, how I'm supposed to live my life, please, I'm going to argue scriptures. Let's talk scriptures. Bigger than say, not science. It's time for science and all that. Also, I want to tell you, the Bible is not a scientific book. People want to use it to refute science. You see, let me, let me, oh, I'm going a little bit deeper today. Listen. <laughs> there are three main revelations of God to us. 
three main revelations of God to us, humanity. The first revelation of God to us is nature. Nature, right? According to Psalm 19, verse 3, uh, verse 1 to 3, right? It says the sun, the moon, all these things, they are all speaking to us. And according to Romans chapter 1, 2, verse 17, right? It's saying that the things which are seen or the things which are known, it said they reveal the nature and the character of God, right? So, first of all, God speaks to us through nature. So, if you are a scientist, that's what you are supposed to be. You know, uh, Romans chapter 1, is it verse 23 or so? It said the things, you know, of his, whatever, they are known, they are revealed to us, you know, by the things which are seen. Now, listen. So, studying science and all that, you are supposed to be studying God's voice in nature, right? The things, so when you see the DNA and all that, wow, these are the codes of God. These are the whatever and all that. That's one revelation of God to us. So, so I pay attention to science. Amen. When it is done very well, reason well with no agenda, right? Because it's science that is allowing me right now to use this microphone to speak to you. Do you get what I'm saying? It's science that is allowing us to use all these computers, all these connections and all these lights and all that. It's science. It's a revelation of God in nature. And when they first started studying it, they were not studying it to argue against God. They were studying to discover more of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's revelation number one. The second revelation of God to us is through his written word, the book. So he spoke to different individuals. And I don't, I'm not going deep. I don't want to go too deep in it because of our time. And we have the book. That's the second revelation of God to us. The second source of what? Of truth that we're supposed to get. And then, the final one, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is Son. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1, look at, let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1, it says that the, the, the third revelation of truth is long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. So he spoke in different ways to ancestors and through the prophets. But in this verse 2, and now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Verse 3, that the son is the express, the radiance. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. So he's saying that Jesus Christ is actually the revelation of God to the world. In the beginning was the word. The word was God, right? And the word was with God. The word was God. And that word, right, became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus Christ is the revelation of God to us. So I said, I said, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. When I study the gospel and I look at the life of Jesus Christ, and when you study the scriptures and you see Jesus Christ in there, when I get, when I'm reading the Old Testament, like Bible master class that we're doing, when I'm reading the Old Testament, the first thing I ask myself is, what is he saying about Jesus? What is he saying about the character of Jesus? What is he saying about Jesus? Because Jesus Christ is perfect theology. It's God's revelation to us. So that's the three main ways that God reveals himself to us. Do you get what I'm saying? So when you are talking with people, when you are talking about your you know, faith or whatever, you need to make sure that your source of absolute truth is the word of God. Stay in that domain. Amen. And then my second point there is that make sure you check everything. Check that everything you hear, check everything you hear against the scriptures. You know that when people are talking and they're saying things, make sure you always check it against scriptures. Always check it against scriptures. Let's read it in that same Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 17. Um, what's that passage, that verse, talking about the Berean 
the Berean Christians. Acts chapter 17, uh, verse, I don't have my, the verse, please find it for me. Um, da, da, da. He said, that very night, the believers sent Paul, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. The, let me get the passage, uh, the verse in Acts chapter 17. He said, they sent Paul and Silas to Berea. They arrived, verse 10, verse what? Verse 10, thank you. So he said, look at that. He said, that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Verse 11. Verse 11. And the people of Berea, everybody look up. The people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. They eager, then they searched where? The scriptures. Day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth, what was their source of truth? The scriptures. You know what they were trying to see? This, this preacher that is talking, is he speaking the truth? Let's go and look at the scriptures. Let's compare what this person is saying with the scriptures. Let's, let, 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 let's, let, let, let's, let's see whether, you know, this thing is in alignment with scripture. So, basically, my first point today is this. Establish your source of truth. And make your source of truth the scripture. That's the beginning of going deeper, activating your reasoning, activating your depth. Make scriptures your source of truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy word or through your word. Your word is truth. Make them holy through your word. Your word is what? Is the truth. Everybody say truth. Say the word is the truth. Somebody say the, tr the word is the truth. It's the truth. Now, we don't hold our Bibles, you know, we used to have Bibles that you can hold it, but hold your phone if you have a phone. So say, this is the truth. <laughs> this is what? The truth. I don't care what you're telling me. Let's check it. Let's check it. Let's check it. Is it there? Genesis to Revelation. Is it there? Mm -mm, it's not there. It's not truth. That's my source of truth. Oh, what's your name? My name is Dr. Phil... Whatever, I have a PhD, PMS, and I want to tell you something. Okay, say it. Are you telling me science? I'll listen to you. Are you telling me philosophy? Okay, I'll listen to you. You are trained in that. But are you telling me the truth about life? About eternity and all that? Can we check the Bible? Are you getting what I'm saying? Can we check it whether it's in alignment with the Bible? So make scriptures your truth. Say that after me. Say make scriptures my source of truth. This is very important. Ephesians 6.14 tells us that truth becomes like the belt that holds our entire armor together. If truth is not there, every other piece of armor that we have will just fall apart. So that's what usually happens to people's faith. Because they don't, they don't, they don't, have, a, they don't have a grounding in what the truth is. They don't stand on that. They don't you know, they, 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 they've not settled on it, then anybody can just talk to them, and then they just fall apart. Let's go to my point number two. My point number two. So my first point is get settled on the source of truth. Say that after me. Say, get settled on what the source of truth is. And that's the scriptures. Then number two, my point number two is get saturated with the substance of truth. Get saturated with the substance of truth. So the first thing is settle your source of truth. 
But then, that is not enough. You can have the source of truth, but you don't know what is in there. And so you're not able to stand. When the devil lies to you, when people lie to you, when you know, all these things shake, you're not able to stand because you are not familiar with what is in there. One of the, I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to say, one of the, thing, the things that is becoming a lost heart, oh, a lost art, you know, a lost practice in the church is the practice of daily devotions. An in-depth personal Bible study. Now, I know a lot of, you know, a bunch of people attend group Bible study, which is good. It's part of it. Do you get what I'm saying? But when we first became a Christian, one of the habits they instilled inside of us is what is called a quiet time. A daily what? <laughs> quiet time. When you first wake up in the morning, rather than first reaching out to your phone to check what is going on on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram to see whether you just got a notification or somebody sent you a message before you go to the news and to read the blogs. I like reading news in the morning, but not immediately after I wake up. Because you start with bad news and all this stuff. Your day, how's your day going to be? <laughs> what should you go to? The first thing you want to do is that you want to have an encounter, a daily encounter with the truth. An encounter with the truth. Seriously, we got to bring it back. This month, I'm trusting God that in City Light Church, watching me, whoever is watching me, that this, this month there will be a renewal of reading the Bible. There will be a renewal of going to the source of truth. When was the last time you did a word study? You did a character study? You did a book study? When was the last time you sat down with your family and you read through a devotional and you meditated on it and you came out with something and you took the note down? When was the last time you do that and you took a note and said, this is the revelation I got from studying the Bible? Apart from the one that you hear in church on Sunday. If I check your journal, if I check where you write things, do you see scriptures there? Will you find scriptures there? It's time to return to the study of scriptures. You see, if you are going to be able to stand in this world where all kinds of things are going, you've got to get saturated with the substance of truth. You've got to get saturated or you're going to be deceived. How do you know the fake? How do you know the fake? How do I know if, if you know, like, let's say somebody came here and then says, I am your daughter and my name is Pearl. How do I know which one is fake and which one is original? Huh? I know the original, because, I know the fake because I've spent time with what? That's how it is. I mean, I'm not, you know, somebody, somebody calls you on the phone and the person says, hello, and try to change their voice, right? You say, hello, this is so, 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 so. You say, you, 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 you. I know you. You are so, 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 so. Why? Because you are familiar with what? Oh, somebody calls you, it's truly fake, trying to swindle you and all that. And the person says, and begins to <laughs> pretend as if the person is your brother or your sister and all that. Mm, that doesn't sound like my sister. Right? That doesn't sound like my brother. Why? Because you know what? 
the original. So the way we know truth is by spending enough time with the original. They said, you know, you know in those days before, all these machines for recognizing what fake, uh, what fake currency is, you know, now they just shine some light and whatever. Before then, they said they train those bankers and all that. You know, they train them with the original. They feel it and all that. So when they see a fake, they can easily recognize it. You get to know what is fake by spending time with the real, with the original. So the way you are going to activate your depth, your reasoning, is by spending time in the original. This is noble Christianity. Let's read it again. Acts chapter 17, verse 10, that we just read. Acts chapter 17, verse 10 to 12. The Bible says these people in the second city in Berea, the people in Thessalonica, they, are, they, they were opposed to the word. But it says, they, so they moved, they moved Paul and Silas away from that city because they were, you know, they, 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 they arrested them. You know, they were, they, were, they, were, they were just angry. There was a mob and all that. So they moved them to, they went to another city that night. They sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. We read it, verse 11, quickly, verse 11. Verse 11, and the people of Berea were more open-minded. You know what the KJV says? It says they were more noble. Noble. That word, you know, you say they were more noble. They were noble. That's why I say that's noble Christianity. They were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. What did they do? They listened eagerly. They listened. So listen. Remember, say listening. How you get saturated with truth? You listen. You listen. How about those messages on YouTube? How about those MP3s? How about all these messages on the internet? How about listening again? How about listening to a teaching on faith? How about listening to a teaching on love? How about teaching, listening to a teaching on the situation you are going through or the challenge you are going through? And just telling, how about those days when you used to do that? That you tell everybody, you know what? I'm just separating some time because all I just want to do right now is I want to go and listen to a message. I want to go and listen to this series of messages. I want to go and read this series of books. Do you remember all the things that used to happen in your life when you do that? When you go and study on a particular thing and you come out and say, now I know what to do about this thing. I'm so solid about this thing. Where did all those things disappear? All the corona shut down. Did you even have time to do that? There's so many distractions. They listen. Then, the next thing, they searched the scriptures. You know what searching the scripture is? Searching the scripture, literally, in those days, they didn't have BibleGateway.com. You understand, right? They didn't have anyone that just entered into Google. <laughs> you know, thank God for that now, you know. We use it, and it's good. But then, whoa, they were going, you know, like, going back, they bring this scroll, and they say, Paul said something yesterday. He said something about resurrection. And he says something that Abraham did this and he meant this in the life of Jesus. Everybody gather around. Let's see. Open to the story of Abraham. Uh, you know, they went to the Hebrew. You know, they read in uh, the Greek or whatever. You know, that's true. What he said is actually true. Oh, that one is truth. Oh, Paul said something that time. Let, let's see. So they, they had all these scrolls that they were opening up and they were saying, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true. Are you like that? Are you like that? Are you lightweight as a Christian? Or are you deep as a Christian? Are you a lightweight Christian? Oh no, this month, no lightweight Christianity any longer. See, after me, say, no lightweight Christianity any longer. I'm going deep. Someone say, I'm going deep. 
I'm activating my depth. I'm activating my reasoning. No more lightweight Christianity. Oh, man. It's time for us to start studying the word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Don't leave questions unanswered. 2 Timothy 2, 6. Don't leave questions unanswered. You know, some of us, we have certain questions in our lives, you know, and then we just leave it unanswered. It's like, okay, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know the truth about this thing. I don't even know what to do about it, so we just leave it unanswered. No. Become a searcher of truth, a seeker of truth. Don't leave questions unanswered. Don't leave questions unanswered. If something is repeating itself, it's a situation going on, there's an answer for it. If your friends are asking you a particular question, don't run away from the question. If they're saying that, okay, do we, you know, is it multiple God or one God? There's an answer to it. Don't run away from it. Find the answer and be able to present it to them where there's only one God and his name is Jehovah. Find the answer because the answer is waiting for you. Work at. So there's hard work that is involved in becoming deep as a Christian. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. One do who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word. I love, the, I love NIV, please. Who correctly handles, handles. You, can, you handle the word of truth. Handle, you know, the handling of the word of truth. Change it to NIV for me, if you can. You know, that who correctly handles, do you get it? You handle the word. You, you, know, you know, by handling the word, you know, a situation comes up right now. You look at it and say, okay, no, 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 this one is from Second Timothy. Right, you apply Second Timothy to it. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something that happened in the, in the life of Abraham. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. you apply it to it. Mm-hmm. Jesus says something about what that news guy is saying, you know. I think Paul addressed that in his epistles. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? When you have an argument, you know, with people, argument with your spouse, argument with your friends or family members, Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Who correctly handles the word? So, you know, this, I think this is what he's saying. Look, that, I mean, listen, that's exciting Christianity. That's Christianity. You bring the word out. Oh, my God. Who correctly handles the word of truth? John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, NLT. John 8, 31. Jesus was speaking to those who believed in him. He said, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. How many of you believe in Jesus here? Jesus said to those who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you remain faithful to my teachings, so you know how I was, even if you don't know anything, just go to the teachings of Jesus in the gospel, right? And what he said, he said, if you remain faithful, then you are my disciples indeed. You are following me, disciples, means somebody who is a student, who is learning after somebody, amen? If you, you are my disciple indeed, and then what will happen? You will know the truth, verse 32, and you will know the truth. The knowledge of the truth is, a res- is as a result of following after truth, of studying, of staying in the teaching, staying in the teaching, staying in the teaching, getting saturated with the source of truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You continue in it. Oh, man, I can't say exactly. Th- times in my life when the question will just come. 
or a situation will just come that is there. And I know that any situation that I've not been able to handle is because I've not gotten the truth to handle it. And then you sit down and start studying. Lord, how do I resolve this thing? How do I resolve this thing? Lord, how do I resolve this? And then you're studying and studying and studying and studying. Bring it up and then you just get to a particular point. The resolution will just come. Oh, this is exactly what you need to do concerning this thing. That's what, happen. That's what happens. You will know veritas. The word here is veritas, you know? Truth. You will know it as what? As you, as you continue in God's word and study God's word. Hallelujah. Our biggest mistakes or our biggest errors is when we do not know the scriptures about the situation. Matthew 22, verse 29. Matthew 22, 29. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. You know what they brought to him then? They brought him a question on marriage and resurrection. And they were like, okay, if there's resurrection, what if this man's wife died? Or this one died? And then they get to, which one, is they, which one are they going to marry in heaven? It was a theological, the kind of question that we get right now. <laughs> Who else? <laughs> they brought to Jesus. So who's going to be his wife in heaven? Jesus said, your mistake is that what? You don't know scriptures. <laughs> and what? You don't know the power of God. Then he proceeded to explain to them. Do you get what I'm saying? You don't know the scriptures. So listen, everybody look at me. Whatever is going on in your life right now, in, your, in any area of your life, right? Do you know what the scripture says about it? It's a mistake if you don't know what the scripture says about it. So come on, say, so everybody say, I'm going to correct that mistake. Say, I'm correcting the mistake by finding out what the word of God says. My point number three. Gonna write it. So point number one, can you repeat point number one with me, everybody? Get settled on what? Your source of truth. What's number two? Get saturated with what? We're talking about how to activate your reasoning, how to activate your depth. And then number three is get stirred up or get stirred to the spreading of what? Of truth. So you start by settling on your source of truth, the word. Then you start spending time in that source of truth. You saturate yourself with it. Then the next step in your development is that you let the questions around you or the things that are going on around you get you stirred up to what? To spreading the truth. You see, people who spread the truth or teach the truth and all that, they grow in the truth. You know, when you start sharing with other people and you start... You know, you start telling the truth to other people. You, you start growing in the truth. Look at what happened in the third city. So, Paul and, Banner and Silas, sorry, Silas, they finished in Berea. They were first in Thessalonica, then they finished in Berea. And then suddenly, they moved to Athens. Let's read it. But when some Jews, the people troubled, that troubled them in Thessalonica, right, they came again to Berea. <laughs> I mean, some people... Opposition will keep coming to the truth of the word. It will keep coming. It will keep rising up again to challenge what you say you believe. It might not be people in your own life. It might be a circumstance or an issue. It will keep on coming to challenge. These people challenged him in Thessalonica, and then they moved to Berea. They heard again that he was there. So they came again to challenge him again. So what I'm trying to tell you, you should learn this lesson, that the fact that you dealt with something in the past does not mean that that thing is not going to try and come back again. 
It is the truth that you have. The truth that is revealed to you there and that's what you are going to use to handle it when it comes again. It's always going to try and come back again. What you have overcome, what you have beaten, will always try to come back again to challenge you. But if you, are, if you, if, if you, if you know the truth, if you are, stay, you are in the truth, you stay in the truth, that same truth that you had then, you can use it to defeat it. When some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there. <laughs> and what? They stirred up trouble. They stirred up trouble. Verse 14. Verse 14, quickly. The believers acted at once. I love those believers. They were protecting Paul and Silas. You know, say, these people have, these troublemakers have come again. The believers acted at once, sending Paul to the coast. While Silas and Timothy remained behind. You see, you guys, you know, I didn't teach this, but I sent it in a devotional about activating your legacy. Paul in Acts chapter 16 met Timothy for the first time. And Paul was just interested in Timothy, young man. And Paul said, this man, I want him to travel with me. I want to mentor him. I want to disciple him. Now, when Paul had to leave, it was Timothy that remained there with Silas to replace him, to do what Paul was doing in Berea. You need to activate your legacy. Who are you going to leave behind in whatever you are leading? Who, are you going to be, who, who is it that can take over or do what you are doing if you need to move on? Every one of us needs to be focused on that, on activating our legacies. You know, impacting people, leading people, having a protege. People that you are, in, you are imparting your life to. Because sometimes those are the people that will, re, that will do what you were doing or remain where you used to be. In God's plans and purposes. Because you've got to move on to something else. Hallelujah. So Paul needed to move to another city to do something else. But Silas and Timothy stayed behind. Then the Paul gets to this new city. Verse 15. Oh my God. You know, sometimes you've been doing... You know, Berea was so beautiful because in Berea, it was preaching and people were studying. People were searching. It was a beautiful time until those people came. But then when it got to Athens... And this is where we're going to be, you know, round, you know end, ending our message. We're going to get our, our last two points from there. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and to join him. So they said, you know, join him, you know, over there. After you've done what you're doing. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, so he was waiting for them in Athens. So he just, he did, he just decided to take a stroll down Athens. So let me just see this city. And you know, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. Everywhere. You guys should go and read about half things in those days. Half things had all kinds of idols. You know, you know those Greek gods and all that. They had all kinds of, of things in there. So he was walking through that city. And then all he was just seeing was idols. 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 I don't know if any one of you has ever done it before. You know, there was a time that I used to drive around the city. I used to do Uber, you know, like drive Uber, drive around, and then I would get to some places, you know, like those places in the night. You get, you know, even during the day, you know, when, you know, go somewhere, you, what do you see? I mean, you just see people. You see people smoking, drinking, like you see all the clubs, and you see all the debauchery, you see people cursing, people enter, they're cursing and all that. Sometimes we'll be like, wow, is this Sodom and Gomorrah? Some of you that do that, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like you see all kinds of people all over the place. And then you'll be wondering, what's going on with this city? 
what's going on with our world? Even little kids will come in there cursing every word, every sentence. It's every four-letter words. You know what, Paul? Paul the, the state of the city troubled him. But you know what happened? He got stirred up. That's why I said get stirred to sharing the truth. The translation said his spirit was stirred. Was stirred. Verse 17. Look at what he did when he saw the idols. Verse 17. Quickly, 17. Verse 17. He went, he went into the synagogue to reason with the Jews. Activate your reasoning. To reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. In other words, he began to just share the truth that he had. Just sharing it. Anybody that cares to hear, he was sharing the truth. He was speaking it. Those of you, you know, you, you drive around or you, you walk in different places and all that. You have opportunity to share with people. Yeah, share the truth. Amen. Share the truth. Anyways, do you get what I'm saying? On the train or whatever, share the truth. Because if you don't share the truth, somebody's going to share something else. Share the truth. On the street, share the truth. Anyway, share the truth. And then he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. And then, you know, anybody who happened to be there, verse 18, he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Hey, you know, the the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers, they had a belief. You know, the Epicureans, they just believe that life is about pleasure. So they don't believe that there's anything called spirit and all that, that everything is made up of matter. Do you get what I'm saying? Everything is matter, so you live for what pleasure? Just whatever pleasures you, that's the kind of life that you should live. That's the philosophy of, the, uh, of, of this Epic, Epicurean uh, uh, people. Amen. So Paul had an argument with them. God had a, Paul had a debate with them, sharing the truth, you know, that, you know, that he had, you know, from God. Hallelujah. And then, of course, the Stoic people, their own belief is that, you, you know some Stoic philosophies, you meet them in Chicago, everything is energy. I mean, you see it, you will see it, you will hear it, Oprah, go on the internet. Everything is just energy. God is all, all, and God is one. You know, God is everything, and all of us, you too, you are God, and then everything, you know, we are all just one substance. So when you use your mind, you connect, you connect to that one substance because you are also one of the substance. It's called New Age Movement. A lot of people read the books, listen to the whatever. It sounds very nice, but basically it is pantheism. Ever say pantheism? Pantheism is the belief that God and nature are one and the same. That God and nature are what? One and the same. So everything is God. So God is one universal substance. The universal mind. The universal thing that feels, you know, you know, there's a measure of truth because it feels everywhere, but the Bible tells us that it's bigger than what it created. He's in all that he created, but he's separate from what he created. Can I get an amen from the church? Oh, those in the auditorium don't want to say amen. Those of you are like, can you type an amen for me? <laughs> are you guys getting what I'm saying? They say God, the Stoic believe that God is the spirit of the universe. And the other ones believe that, you know, everything, just do what pleases you, what feels good. That's what you do because all is matter. Anyway, there's no spirit, there's no soul. All is matter. That's all. 
So Paul had a debate with them. He debated them. What did he debate them with, everybody? Tell me, what did he debate them with? Very good. Look at what he did. <laughs> Paul, I love Paul. Paul did not mingle, means well. Look at it. <laughs> All right. Somebody's watching us online. Amen. <laughs> In the auditorium. It's like, I want double, double. That's what I want. Please, I'm rounding up. <laughs> Say, I want to hear it online. I want to hear it in the auditorium too. Double, double. Look at verse. What's my verse? The verse, after I talked about the, uh, to, you know, he spoke to the Epicureans and all that. What's that verse? Can you give, take me to that verse again? Uh, when he was doing the debate. Yes, verse, verse, what is that? Okay, good. When he told them, look at, he didn't tell them, he didn't start arguing with them about, you know, the spirit of the universe. Is, you know, what he do? He told them about what? Jesus and what? His resurrection. Scriptures. He told them about Jesus and his resurrection. They said, what's this babbler trying to say these strange ideas that he's picked up? Others says, is this, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. You know, they were speaking, you know. He seems to be speaking about some foreign god. Let's go on. Some, some foreign god. This guy is crazy. What are you talking about? Then they took him to the high council of the city. They come and tell us about this new teaching, they said, because they love new things in Athens. You know, you read all that. You know, you read uh, Socrates, you know, Aristotle and all that, long before then and all that. So that same spirit. And then the Greek, the, the Greek philosophy and all that had gone around the world through Alexander the Great. He had conquered all everywhere from Egypt, all over the place. So everybody was studying all these Greek philosophers and all that. So it was everywhere. That's the in thing. That's like, you know, you are, mm, you are cultured when you are a Greek guy. You know, you're a very cultured guy. But Paul got there and he got there with the resurrection of Jesus and began to preach the resurrection of Jesus to them. Hallelujah. You're saying some righteous strange things. I want to know what this is all about. Why? Verse, verse 21. Verse 21. You know, it should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Do you know people like that? <laughs> it's like, you know, what is the new revelation now? The new thought. Do you get what I'm saying? What is the new thought? The new age. What, what, what is the cutting edge thing that is happening right now? I say, oh, what is happening right now is this sophomoric transformation of the spiritual transmogrification. If there's anything like that. <laughs> it's a, you know, this is what's going on. And then they, they start talking about it. And listen, the new. Listen, the new. There's nothing new under the earth. I posted something on Facebook yesterday. There's really what? Nothing new. The only problem is that we have bad memories. That's scriptures. There's nothing new under the sun. The word of God. I love the whole word of God. Everybody say hold. Ah, the whole time religion. <laughs> say something for me. The whole time. Do you get what I'm saying? I love, you know, the word. I love that, old, that same story that says Noah. Is it not Noah? You know, this time around, no, Jonah was swallowed by a fish. I love stories like that. Somebody said it this way, how can a fish swallow a man? A scientist was telling a believer, I said, how can a fish swallow a man? And the man lived inside the fish for three days. That is very biologically impossible. How is he going to be able to breathe? You know what the believer said? Listen, if the Bible said it was Jonah that swallowed the fish, I would still believe it. Even if it is Jonah that swallowed the fish, that's what the Bible says. I believe. <laughs> I choose to believe. 
said, Jesus turned water to wine. In what process is that? How did the fermentation take place? What, you know, what, you know, you know, wine, water cannot really become wine because, you know, it has to be this, uh, yeah. If the Bible says Jesus turned water to fish or turned water to human being, I believe it. I'm not too smart from scriptures. Because it's about faith. And one of the things about faith is that faith will bring to you the illogical. So that you can be challenged to believe. If everything about faith is logical, then anybody can just believe. Why can you go deep in a river and be healed of leprosy? And a very terrible river, muddy river in that, in that way. Yeah, faith is going to challenge you. So people are waiting. They, you know, they are trying to make it align with their natural reasoning. No, you have to reason in a different way, spiritually. If the Bible says it, everybody say, everybody say after me, say, God says it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. My final point, get skillful in sharing the truth. So my message to you today, everyone in the auditorium and those who are watching me, is about activating your reasoning. It's becoming stronger and deeper in your faith. In fact, that's what we're focusing on this month. About going deeper and deeper in your faith. And the way you do it, first of all, is number one, get settled on your source of truth. Settle down on the Bible and the scripture. Get settled on your source of truth. Number two, come on, say it after me if you've been following. What's number two? Get, repeat, everybody say one, two, go. Get saturated with the substance of truth like the Berean Christians. What's number three? Get stirred up to what? To spreading the truth. And then my final point I'm going to end with is get skillfully, skillful in sharing the truth. So, in the final part of Acts chapter 17, Paul declared skills. And there's a lot we can learn from that, but I'm just going to talk briefly about it because of time. Get skillful about sharing the truth. You know, some of us were not very skillful in sharing the truth or using the scriptures. Hebrews 5.16, sorry, 5.13 talks about people who are what? Unskillful in the word of righteousness. He said, for someone who lives on milk, is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Let's go to, I mean, give me the NIV or ESV. You know, it's, you know, that one is so watered down, you know, it's a functional translation, that's fine. Um, Hebrews chapter, um, sorry, give me NIV or ESV, ESV there. You know, see, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. He's unskilled. That's a formal translation. He's what? Unskilled. Everybody say, I want to be skillful with the word of God. So listen, pay attention to me, everybody. There are, I want to give you some four basic things. Like when people challenge your faith and all that, I'm going to go through very quickly that Paul talked about that you must know. You must spend some time, grow track, uh, Bible master class on Wednesdays and all that. They will teach you these four basic truths that you must be solid in, that you can study on yourself. Four basic truths that you must be able to know. Very well. The first one is the truth about the greatness of God. I ever say the greatness of God. 
the truth about the greatness of God, of the greatness of God. We're going to quickly look at it. In, so Paul began to preach a message to these people, starting from verse 22. They took him to the council. And then he tells them, he says, So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. So one of the skills in convincing people is acknowledge what they have. If they are Muslims, if they are atheists, you say, you know what? I, I admire that about you, that you are seeking God. I admire that about you, that you are a seeker, that you love the truth. You know, start with what they have. Don't just criticize them. You, you, no, 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 be skillful. You know, wow, you mean you go to the mosque? Or you mean you go to the, you know, to the temple, you do all that? We're all searching. I'm searching, you are searching also. So that's great. You are searching for God. Oh, you mean you believe that thing? Oh, you, you like justice? I also like justice. Yeah, you know, that's a good thing. You know, you start with that. He said, I see, I notice that you are all very religious in every way. And then he began to say, now let me tell you certain truth, verse 23. Let me rush, 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 rush quickly. Are you ready? For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. I see the books in your house. You know, you know, wow, you have all these books about new age. You have all these books about all the different religions of the world. Wow, kudos. A lot of people are not even searching like that. You mean you're looking for the truth? You've been to this place? That's awesome. And one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. So he begins to tell them about the greatness of God. That you know what? Listen, you are searching, but let me just tell you. Let's leave all the argument. Let's talk about this God and how great he is. I'm telling you about. So began, began quickly, verse 23, verse 24. Verse 24, the greatness of God. 24. Are you there? Verse 24. He said, the God is the God who made the world and everything in it. You know that what? The first truth, the greatness of God, he's the creator. That knocks down evolution, knocks down atheism. The God who made the world. Not a big bang. Some, if there was a big bang, somebody must have caused the big bang. He's the one who made the world. He's talking about, he said, God is great. God, everybody's searching for God. God is great. He made everything. Then look at what I talked about. Since he's Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temple. In other words, he's telling them, even though he's, he's, he's Lord, he created everything, he's not everything. Quote unquote, he's not, you know, this is what I mean. The way the panthers will say, God is all, everything. You know, do you get what I'm saying? He's telling them that he's separate from everything that he made. Do you get it? That's why he's saying that he doesn't live in things made with hand. Even though he can feel it, but he's still separate. He was, trying, he was addressing all those things about the greatness of God. That God is not just the spirit of the universe. God is a being. God is a separate being, a loving and a personal being. Amen! That we can have a relationship with. Then number two, truth. He told them the truth about the goodness of God. The first one was the greatness of God. The second one, the goodness of God. These are things that you need to know. God is good. Everybody say, God is good. Verse 25. He said, human hands can serve his needs. For he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. You know what? This is a good God. 
This is an argument again, humanism. You know, you meet some of your friends, they feel that if they can go to Haiti, if they can go to all this stuff, and they're doing good, they're helping people, they feel that, yeah, they have met God. No, he's saying that you can do all that, right? But God doesn't need that. God is the one that actually initiated all that. God is the one that actually meeting the need of humanity. Hallelujah. It's not just that you are good and you are doing, you know, you are helping people and all that. No, 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 no. God. Amen. Woo! Final, I mean, number three, and I have one more, I'm going to end. The truth of the government of God. The truth of the greatness of God. You must study it and know it, and we're going to spend more time later. The truth of the goodness of God, then the truth of the government of God. Meaning, listen, most of the people that you meet, they will say there's something called deism. Deism is that God, yeah, we believe there's a God. God created everything, but then he resigned, he retired, and left everything to work on their own. And so anything that just happened, he just put it in there. He was saying that, no, 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 no. Even though God created everything, he's still watching over what he created. Somebody say amen to that. He's still watching over what he created. Look at the way he said it. He said, verse 26, for one man, for from one man, he created all the, all the nations throughout the whole earth. And he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. God determined how nations will rise and fall. I'm telling you, God is involved in the election of the United States. Even though coronavirus is moving, God is still at work. God is still guiding history. God's purpose is still going to be fulfilled. Can I get an amen in this house today? God has a purpose, verse 27. The purpose for the nation. So his purpose was for the nations. The United States, Nigeria, whichever nation you are from, to seek after God. Perhaps they will feel their way towards him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. He's talking about the fact that God is involved and governing everything and arranging everything. You need to be settled in that truth and be able to go through the different dimensions and be able to share it. That's part of your test. And since this is true, oh no, no, sorry. He said, For in him we live. So he quoted two of their poets there. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your home poets have said. We are his offsprings. Verse, 20, verse 29. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. So God is not something that, you know, something you can just pick up anything that he created and start worshipping what he created. No. The final one, the truth about the grace of God. This is where I'm going to end today. The truth about what? So the greatness of God the goodness of God, the government of God, and about the grace of God. Look at what he said. I love this. So if you are listening to this message from verse 30, let's rise up on our feet. And those of you watching me online, this is a point, you know, of prayer. He said, God overlooked, the truth about God's grace, God overlooked people's ignorance. So listen, maybe you have been operating ignorantly. Maybe I have been operating ignorantly. Maybe before this message today, maybe we're just living the way we wanted to live. We're not going deep in the truth. We're just living based on what we're hearing and all that. And even if you meet people, he said, you know what? God has overlooked all this ignorance. Everybody say, God has overlooked my ignorance. How many of you have made some mistakes in recent times? Right? Either because you didn't go with the truth or you don't know the truth. How many of you have made some mistakes? He said, God has overlooked. 
ignorance. But now, everybody say now. Say now. This moment. He commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him. That's a good end to this message. Activate your reasons. Your reasoning. Activate your depth. Ignora the time of ignorance is far, it's, it's far gone. We cannot live in this world in ignorance anymore of what God is saying about our lives, about our purpose, about the church, about his plans, about the nation. We cannot afford to live an ignorant life anymore. It's time to repent and to say, Lord, I am going to seek you. I'm going deeper. I'm activating my reasoning. Come on, lift up your voice and begin to pray to God, everyone listening to me and those who are watching online. I want you to make a commitment to the Lord today to become a student, a disciple, a studier. Come on, say, pray to God and say, God, I want to move from lightweight to heavyweight. I want to be a heavyweight Christian. Anchored and built on the word. My life is anchored and built on the word. I want to be a heavyweight Christian, not a lightweight Christian. Come on, pray. Pray to the Lord. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for this month and what you have planned. And have a communion. I thank you, Lord, for what you have planned this month, Lord. You said this month you are activating our depth as a church, as a people. You are taking us deeper. You are taking us into deeper realms of revelations. You are taking us into deeper realms of revelation. Please stop the communion. Uh, if you, you know, it should be, they should have placed it on your seats before you came in. Let's pick it up. Because we're going to pray a particular prayer right now. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you have been blessed with God's word today? For those who are watching us at home, please pick up something for the coming. Uh, no one, thanks. Thank you very much. You know, um, pick up, uh, you know, bread wine, something, juice, whatever it is, and join us uh, in this uh, prayer that we're about to pray to release us into the activation of what God is doing in our lives this month. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 26, that's what we're going to do as we take the communion. Luke 24, 26. Luke chapter 24, verse 26. It says... Luke 24, 26. Are you there? Yeah. So Jesus was walking with these people on the road to Hermas, and he said, they, they didn't know it was Jesus with them. They said, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah will have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Verse 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses or scriptures and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Come on, lift up your hand, everybody. I pray that this month, Jesus will take you on the journey of scriptures. Say that after me. Say, Jesus will take me on a journey in scriptures to reveal himself to me. He's taking me to the depth of scriptures. And he will show me things about himself in scriptures. Verse 28. Verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey Jesus acted as if they were going on. Verse 28. 28. I'm sorry, 29. 
But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. You know, I'm praying that Jesus, this month, you are going to experience the visitation of Jesus in your house. Do you get it? You are going to experience him. It's going to manifest himself in your family, in your devotion, and all that. You are going to experience him in a new way. And then he went home with them. Jesus is coming to your home. I know he's there. Amen. But I'm talking about physically manifesting in your home through the word. Amen. You used to meditate on the news and meditate on all this entertainment stuff, but you are going to be meditating on the word of God. Look at what happened. Verse 20, verse 30. This is where I'm going. Verse 30. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then they broke it and he gave it to them. And then something happened to them. Verse 31. Verse 31. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, it disappeared. The God show for you this month. The God show for this for you this month is in your home. It is in your home. Are you getting what I'm saying? It is in your home. It's going to open your eyes to recognize what? Him. It's going to open your eyes to recognize him. To see him in scriptures. To see his plans, his purposes for you in your home, in your bedroom, right there. As you study the word of God, Jesus will open your eyes. Let's partake of the bread right now and trust God for this to happen. As you partake of the communion today, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that it will be just as it's said in this word, that it is, an, it is a communion that will open your eyes to new revelations of Jesus. New revelations of Jesus. Believe God for that and just thank God for that. Fresh revelations of Jesus. Fresh revelations of Jesus. Say, God, open my eyes to see you. Say, open my eyes to see you. And then, take the blood and take it now. And just seal it. No matter what is going on, whatever is going to happen, the blood is the New Testament. It was shed for us. I declare protection over everyone. I declare in the name of Jesus, no matter what goes on in the nation, you are divinely accepted in the name of Jesus. You are going to experience the God show of God's revelation and of God's protection in this month of October and beyond, in this new last quarter of this year. In Jesus' name. Can I get a big amen here? For those watching online, can I get a capital Amen. Type a capital amen there. Hallelujah. Why don't you give God praise for the word that you have received today? Why don't you give God praise right now for the revelation that has started in your life in the name of Jesus? Thanks for listening to the Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.